In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus put another parable before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everybody was asleep, his enemy came, sowed darnel all among the wheat and made off. When the new wheat sprouted and ripened, the darnel appeared as well. The owner's servants went to him and said, Sir, was it not good seed that you sowed in your field? If so, where does the darnel come from? Some enemy has done this, he answered. And the servants said, Do you want us to go and weed it out? But he said, No, because when you weed out the darnel, you might pull up the weed with it. Let them both grow till the harvest, and at the harvest time I shall say to the reapers, First collect the darnel and tie it in bundles to be burnt, then gather the wheat into my barn. The Gospel of the Lord After having listened to complaints from parishioners for the past 19 years, I've come to realize that one of the most common requests is that I should summarily reprimand and dismiss all the troublemakers in the parish. However, my usual reply is that if I were to act on every complaint, including the complaints I get about the complainers, then I would end up sacking over 90% of the people in the parish. I guess this phenomenon goes beyond the parish. We seem to have a natural human desire to root out and destroy all that troubles us. We want to look for the final solution to all our problems. But in attempting to get others cancelled, we end up cancelling ourselves. Or in wanting to destroy evil, we end up wreaking more destruction. Perhaps the best example is found in Hitler's final solution. Millions of Jews and others had to die in this mad search for perfection. The very defenders of peace eventually turned into the greatest perpetrators of violence. Strangely, it is not the Hitlers, the Pol Pots, the Maos, or the Lenins of this world that are solely guilty of such horrendous crimes. The trait is also present with many well-intentioned activists, visionaries who believe that it is incumbent upon them to fix the problem wherever and whenever they see fit whether it be in society, the church, or the world. Some people just can't stop themselves from meddling. We have to fix it, get rid of the undesirables, do it our way. The problem with people with a cause is that they often do more harm for their cause than if they did nothing at all. Trying to bend the world or reform the church or shape others according to the way they see it. So, they spend a great deal of effort and time trying to control what can't be controlled. Even though their original motive may have been noble, they actually make things worse, whilst trying to make them better. Instead of building God's kingdom, they end up building their own, and we mess things up when we choose to get in God's way. 
Today's parable is bent on frustrating these would-be saviors of the world. The message goes against the grain, because it seems to be softened evil. In response to the servant's desire to root out the dano, to fix the problem, the master orders them, "Let them both grow till the harvest." This is a stunning proposal. Just leave the weeds alone. You mean, let them have their way? On the surface, the parable seems to be calling for passivity and acceptance in the face of evil, or worse, the tolerance of evil. Why would the master say what he said to his servants? The counsel of our Lord is prudent. It is a reminder that life can be messy, and we need not and should not play God or vigilantes, since this is God's kingdom. He should be in charge. He sets the agenda. He lays out the path, and he determines the deadline. The problem is that the difference between the wheat and the darnel is not always going to be obvious, and that there is a potential danger of mistaking the good for the bad, the will of man for that of the will of God. Whether we would be willing to admit it or not, both. Wheat and darnel may be mixed up within every person. Goodness and evil, love and hate, prosperity and adversity, joy and sorrow, also intimately intertwined. We may risk getting rid of the good in our zealous desire to root out the bad, destroy the possibility of evil, and you also destroy the possibility of goodness. What may seem to be a mess may actually be God's way of providing a solution. And a perceived curse is actually a blessing. The patience of the farmer in letting the darnel grow on until harvest time exemplifies the infinite mercy and wisdom of God towards sinners. The parable reminds us that sinners are to be dealt with patiently. It offers us assurance that in the end, God's way will be victorious. That one day the virtuous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The darnel could not change his nature, but the good news is the sinner can change his ways, and God gives him every chance and every help to do this, up to his, the last moment of his life. But in the end, there will be judgment. God is never soft with evil of sin, but He is ever patient. In providing opportunities to the sinner to repent, the sinner who chooses not to repent, however, will have to face judgment, because the God of mercy is also the God of justice, and without justice, His mercy would be vacuous. We must learn a double lesson of patience from this parable: first, to be patient with those who make our spiritual progress more difficult for us. They are actually helping us to be better Christians if we bear with patience the injuries they inflict on us. Second, we must try to imitate the patience God shows in His dealings with sinners. Such patience, however, can never be interpreted as mere passivity. I don't think God wants us to wait patiently, twiddle our thumbs, and do nothing. We should never tire of striving against evil. While we must not approve of evil deeds or sins of others, we must still look on them as our brothers and sisters, 
and do all in our power to put them back on the right road to heaven. We can do this by a good example and by fervent prayer for their conversion. Always remember that it is an act of mercy to admonish a sinner and correct error. When you take a closer look at what is happening in the world, in society, in your family, or even in the church, do not panic when you only perceive chaos. God remains firmly in charge. Everything may seem to be getting completely out of control, but God remains in control. God does not only tolerate the messiness, but in fact subverts the messiness and uses it as the raw material of his kingdom. He often chooses and uses the defective, the rejects, the marginalized, and even the sinners to be his instruments of grace. We long for the time when the kingdom will be complete, but that perfection will not be found in any earthly or human-constructed utopia. For now we have to recognize that this is the way that God creates and works and brings good life and salvation. God allows the mess. He demonstrates the value of the mess through the death of his son on the cross. At the moment of the crucifixion, it becomes clear that evil is utterly subverted for good. And so the kingdom is built on the blood of martyrs rather than on success stories. Let us never forget that persecution cannot destroy the church it can only make her stronger. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.